Welcome to the podcast ministry of Pilgrim Baptist Church. Wherever you're listening from, welcome. We pray that the truth from the Word of God speaks to your heart during today's message. Heaven and earth shall pass away, but my words shall not pass away. And in case anybody would doubt the absolute certainty of what the Bible says, we've got this verse. In case anybody would doubt the absolute 100% certainty that what Jesus is specifically talking about here in Matthew 24 prophetically will or will not come to pass, we've got assurance, additional assurance, right here in this in this passage, we've got in this passage we have verse number thirty-five. You know what's going to be gone? Heaven and earth. You know what isn't going to pass away? God's word. His words won't. Every single word of prophecy will come to pass. When we when we did the Lord's Supper, we went back and we looked at some of the prophecies. Every single future prophecy that still hasn't come to pass, you can mark it down. It's going to happen. No reason at all. Um, that pr- the prophecy won't pass away. God's word won't pr- pass away. We see the same thing. Heaven and earth shall pass away. My words shall not pass away. We see it in Mark 13 as well. And then in Luke 21 also. Um, let's look at two verses, though, as we stay on this thought in verse 35. Turn back to Matthew chapter number 5. And get Jeremiah chapter number 31. Turn back in your Old Testament to Jeremiah chapter number 31. We'll do Matthew 5 first. Matthew chapter 5, verse number 18. For verily I say unto you, till heaven and earth pass, one jot or one tittle, shall in no wise pass from the law till all be fulfilled. Whosoever therefore shall break one of the least of these commandments and shall teach men so shall be called the least in the kingdom of heaven. But whosoever shall do and teach them, same shall be called great in the kingdom of heaven. We see here, uh, till heaven and earth pass, one job or one tittle, no wise pass from the law. It's all going to be fulfilled, all of it. Jeremiah 31 and verse number 35. Jeremiah 31 and verse number 35. Watch what it says. Thus saith the Lord, which giveth the sun for a light by day, and the ordinances of the moon and of the stars for a light by night, which divideth the sea when the waves thereof roar. The Lord of hosts is his name. The God who made the seas and made the stars and made the sun and gave the light and can part the waves and all of that. Do you think it's any trouble for him to be able to have all of the prophecies come to pass that he said would come to pass? Not at all. He's so much more bigger than we can imagine. And in Matthew 24, verse 35, heaven and earth shall pass away, but my words shall not pass away. Global warming. (laughs) 
Here's what God said. Heaven and earth, heaven and earth shall pass away. The earth's going to be gone. All these global warming conspiracy theories and all these global warming ideas. Let's save the planet. Let's save the earth. All of it, when you get to the root of it, is this. People shaking their fists at the God in the book of Jeremiah that said, I made it. The seas, the stars, the sun, the moon, the earth, I made it. You aren't going to create it, save it, recreate it, none of it. I did all that. And I said, it's going to burn up. So that's the whole, that's the, that's the sermon for the, for the uh, tree huggers and the environmentalists. It's going to go away. So you just better get your soul saved because nothing else is going to last. Look at Hebrews 1. And let's get into Isaiah as well. Hebrews 1. And let's get Isaiah 34. Okay, Hebrews 1. Look at what it says in verse number 11. Well, back up to verse 10. And thou, Lord, in the beginning hast laid the foundation of the earth, and the heavens are the works of thine hands. Verse 11, it's kind of a, by the way, they shall perish. <laughs> That's what God said is going to happen to this earth. And it's going to come to pass. Turn back to Isaiah chapter number 34. Isaiah 34 and look at verse number four. And all the host of heaven shall be dissolved and the heavens shall be rolled together as a scroll. And all their hosts shall fall down as the leaf falleth off the vine. And as a falling fig from the fig tree, we see the fig tree come up again here in Isaiah 34. Look at Isaiah 51. No reason to doubt. We can do all we can do to try to save this earth. It's going to pass. Isaiah 51, verse number six. Lift up your eyes to the heavens and look upon the earth beneath. For the heavens shall vanish away like smoke. And the earth shall wax old like a garment, and they that dwell therein shall die in like manner. But my salvation shall be forever, and my righteousness shall not be abolished. And people look up to the heaven, and they want to worship birds, and they want to worship Father Sky, and they look down to the earth, and they want to worship Mother Earth, and they want to try to save the planet and all of this. And God said, you can look up and you can look down. But it's going to vanish away like smoke, like an old garment. But my salvation, you don't have to worry about that. I got you covered. That isn't going to go anywhere. My righteousness shall not be abolished. You've got Jesus Christ's imputed righteousness. You are kept by the power of God. Praise his name. So we know what is going to pass. Matthew 24 tells us. But we know something that will not. But my words shall not pass away. Well, where are his words? In the Bible. Well, what Bible? Now it gets convoluted. Huh. Apparently, nowadays, you can just pick your favorite one and all of them are the words. Or if there's words missing, then that's okay. Or if there's phrases or entire verses that have been 
cut out, that's what seems to be okay too in modern churchianity. Do you know that NIV has over 60,000 words removed? 45 complete verses have been taken out of the NIV. It was made up of 15 Bible scholars, the Committee on Bible Translation, the CBT is the acronym. They decided to trust themselves to translate the Bible. They can trust themselves because, well, they meet every year to discuss matters. And they can justify that because, well, they'll talk with pastors and missionaries and they'll get their insight on how to correct the Bible as well. All of it is done. In the name of spirituality, as they shake their fists in blasphemy and rebellion against the holy God that said he would preserve his word. And if God promised to preserve his word, but you're trying to alter it, change it and correct it and amend it. To me, it just doesn't add up. And I just don't buy it. I just don't. It's heretical and it's blasphemous to change God's word. Zondervan. They say, well, the verses really aren't missing. It's, what do they mean by that? Well, they mean to appear more spiritual than they actually are. They'll just put it on a footnote. We're going to take the verses out, but to try to appease some people, we'll just put a footnote in there and say, you see, we really didn't take it out. You're altering and you're messing with God's holy word. They'll say, well, we found the oldest manuscripts. In other words, after the King James translation came out, we found manuscripts that were older than when that was done. And so when they say older manuscripts, the way they define that is uh, more reliable. Okay? There's one thing to say they're older. There's another thing to now make a jump and say, well, they're the most reliable ones. We found something after the translators of the King James. We're not going to go down that rabbit hole. There's plenty there to, to dive in, but we'll save that for another lesson. But out of the 5,400 minuscule and majuscule manuscripts, less than 1% don't agree with the King James Version. And they're the old, they say that those are the older ones. And the reasoning is this. Well, they're closer to the originals, so therefore they have to be better. Again, an assumption that they expect everybody to buy into. Maybe the older ones were just the junk that nobody was using. You use your favorite duster, you use your favorite rag, that's the one that gets worn out. That's the one that gets the most use. That's the one that gets passed around. The stuff that you don't like in your house, it just sits. Nobody wants to use it because it ain't no good. Maybe it's that. The stuff that they were reading from, the stuff that they were preaching and teaching from, the stuff that they were copying from, wasn't that 1%. <laughs> they weren't using it. A good book from much use falls apart. There's a page. Here's a page from the Bible. Here's another page that's about coming out. 
And, you know, you can go through your Bible, too, and you'll see there's a page missing. Yeah, because you've been using it. You've been using it. But they'll tell you, rest assured, you can trust us. The average Christian that goes into a Christian bookstore walks out more confused than he was when he walked in. You can grab any Bible. It's confusion. For God is not the author of confusion, but of peace, as in all churches, the saints. If, I, if somebody asked you, what time is church? Well, church is Sunday at 5 o'clock, at 6 o'clock, at 7 o'clock. I'll see you there. Well, which time? Well, they're all the same. No, they're not. <laughs> you, you, can't, you can't take a Bible and have one say this, one say that, one say the other thing. They're, they're all the same. No, they're not. You wouldn't tell somebody to come here three different times on Sunday. You would tell them to come at 11 o'clock. That's what time we meet for church service. We can't all meet together at three different times and not have it been one pile of confusion. But there's a common objection. There's no way that you can hold in your hand a perfect Bible without error that you can trust 100%. People have a hard time believing the simple, but they can believe you're going to fly through the air. You're going to get a glorified body. Jesus Christ came 100% man, died on the cross, rose from the grave. You have a soul that got saved. Nobody can see your soul, but you tell them that you have one. Mary conceived as a virgin. And God was manifest in the flesh through her womb. And anybody that doubts you when you say that, you think they're crazy. Because they are. <laughs> because who wouldn't believe that? Those are the basic foundational tenets of the New Testament church and of Christianity. So now you're going to tell me it's hard for you to believe that God would preserve his word and you can hold your hand and read it? Seems much easier to believe that, which tells me there is a consistent and planned effort to extract God's holy word from pulpits all across America and the world. And there's a small group of churches that haven't drank the Kool-Aid. And because we haven't drunk the Kool-Aid, we're called names. Oh, he's King James only. He's, he's this, he's that, he's legalistic, he's, King James was a, you know, this and a that. And anything, anything, but sit down and have a rational discussion and then believe the Bible. God said, my words shall not pass away. The only people that are confused are the ones that don't have God's word because they're getting fed a daily dose of confusion. My God is not confused. Do you want to know why liberal preachers move away from the exclusivity of Jesus Christ as the only way and how they get into universal salvation? You want to know why liberal preachers take all of these 
ungodly stances on things. There can be more than one savior. We can get, we are all going to get to heaven because they threw out the one authority. And when you start with throwing out the one authority, where does it end? It doesn't end. You can come up with all sorts of things and make the Bible say what you want it to say. But he said his word will pass away. Um, Remember, we looked at verse number 34. Let's look at that again. It says, Verily I say unto you, that's in Matthew 24, this generation shall not pass till all these things be fulfilled. Uh, let's change directions a bit. Notice it doesn't say this nation. Because this is a guaranteed security of a race of people. Remember we talked about a generation as a race of people? Well, yes, it is the nation of Israel, but a national tone comes with it, a political tone as well. And Israel, politically, it did pass away. Historically, there has been time. It wasn't always a nation of Israel, you see? But he says this generation, in other words, we did a whole lesson on defining a generation, that race of people. So we don't have to look at it from a national scope, politically here on earth, that type of thing. We need to look at it in a more spiritual scope. And, and God said that generation is race of people. There has always been that race. There's always been that stock bloodline of God's people. And so I brought that up again to say that as we come into these verses, there's two things that won't pass. Verse 34 says, this generation, that won't pass. But then verse 35, it says, my words won't pass. We have Israel's guarantee. And the nation's guarantee is better than a life insurance policy. It's better than a money-back guarantee. It's better than all the stuff that we buy that we want to make sure we have a guarantee on. You buy an expensive animal, you want to make sure that you can return it if it doesn't work out. <laughs> all these types of guarantees. God gives us two. For, for, for Israel, they don't have to worry. God's got their back. And then his words. And we can make the application for us. We don't have to worry. We've got his word. Have you ever been confused reading an owner's manual? Yeah. God's word is our owner's manual. When you read something in there that you don't understand, or if you're a lifelong mechanic and you read something in the owner's manual that you don't agree with or you don't understand, guess who's going to be right? The owner's manual. Now, you might not agree with it. You might not know how to fix it that way. You might not have the tool to fix it that way, which a lot of it is. You just don't have the tools. And when people go to God's word, it's not time to change it. It's time to get changed, buy it, and then you'll start working your life out better.
What did we look at before in verse 32 and 33? You look at that, and I want to read that again. It's the parable of the fig tree. Matthew 24, verse 32, it says, Now learn a parable of the fig tree. When its branch is yet tender and put it forth leaves, you know, I'm sorry, ye know that summer is nigh. So likewise ye, when ye shall see all these things, know that it is near, even at the doors. We already preached on it, but basically a common man, a common woman, could read the seasons of a fig tree. And by reading the seasons of the fig tree, oh, I'm, the leaves, okay, summer's close, summer's not easy. We, we did a whole message on that. Praise the Lord, summer's coming. I can look at the leaves on a fig tree and know that. You know what happens with a lot of us at one time or another? We tend to take too much of a casual approach concerning Jesus Christ, concerning our Lord. He's back there. When he was walking the earth and during his earthly ministry, you know, if I just lived back then, things would be different. The Lord's all the way back in the past history, and here I am, or here we are, and Life's too hard and we're just stuck. But look at Matthew chapter 10. I want to look, just show you two examples. Really, life's the same. And really, people are the same. It's just, instead of getting in your car and driving to church, you got to find your best walking sandals and strap some leather, tie your leather straps together and walk to go worship. Instead of having a preacher come in from town, you know, I'm able to live in a town and, and, and drive here. and I don't come in, you know, all smelly from walking for an hour or two or three. And, you know, we get news by pushing a button on our, on our little idol that we call carry around in our pockets. Where before we had to take a long time to get it. But. So those things are different. Technology is, there's an argument that can say it's better or worse. But we have more advancement in those types of things. But life in itself and life's problems and the issues that the heart of men and women deal with, they're not different. They're the same. Look at Matthew 10, verse 29. I'm too poor. Well. Are not two sparrows sold for a farthing? And one of them shall not fall on the ground without your father. That's a pretty cheap price. Two sparrows sold for a farthing, a penny or two. You're not getting much. Matthew 23. The Lord didn't have a place to rest his head. We take for granted, we feel that we're owed a place. And I couldn't imagine not having a place to lay my head at night. I couldn't imagine going one place to another to another. But it was the same problems back then. Look at Matthew 23, verse 14. Well, the problem is all these fake TV preachers, they're all taking advantage of elderly people sitting at home watching the 
watching the, uh, the TV church. Well, Matthew 23, look what it says. Verse number 14, Jesus lets them have it. Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites. Wouldn't you love to be there? I would. Let's get some popcorn and sit back and watch Jesus just let them have it. Oh, boy, that's a warning, too. I don't ever want to be. And I hope you don't ever want to be a scribe or a Pharisee. For ye devour widows' houses, and for pretense make long prayer. Therefore ye shall receive the greater damnation. And you see these guys, you see these fakers on TV and on the internet. Oh, they'll make the long prayer. Oh, they'll devour a widow's house. They'll say whatever they have to do to take advantage of someone that maybe doesn't have a strong will or is weak in the Lord or is easily deceived. It's the same problem. Jesus let him have it then, and he's going to let him have it now. But Jesus is not going to show up and tap you on the shoulder every time life's going to get tough or something's going to go something's going to go wrong. Now, fortunately, we have the indwelt Holy Spirit. Fortunately, we have each other. So that you can tap me on the shoulder and say, hey, brother. Or I can tap you on the shoulder and say, hey, knock it off. Or you can tap sister so-and-so on the shoulder and sister so-and-so can tap sister who and who. And we have each other. Right. But Jesus isn't going to walk in here. And start telling us in the flesh what to do. He said, I gave you my words. It's not going to pass away. Will you just believe and trust me? And by the way, just in case you think you need me here in the flesh. Look what they did to me when I was here. <laughs> One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven. And I would be twelve. We've got twelve on a Thursday night. That's about what Jesus said, <laughs> okay? We have each other. But he finally says, let's look at the last verse in Matthew chapter 24, at least for tonight. He says, but of that day and hour knoweth no man. No, not the angels of heaven, but my father only. We did so many messages, we're not going to rehash any of it. I'll just say that we don't. We don't know when the rapture of the church is going to be. But we know that the rapture of the church doesn't happen in Matthew 24. We've exhausted that thought. We've since moved on. Matthew 24 isn't the church's last days. Matthew 24 is Israel's last days. And just to reiterate, date setting has no place in the Christian's life. But Israel's last days... You're going to have people who are clueless. The last thing that they are going to expect is for Jesus Christ to return. The last thing they're going to expect is destruction. Now, on our side of this, the reason we witness, the reason we're set up at the fair for you know this weekend, all next week, and then and then next weekend, is because people don't expect destruction. 
people don't expect that the Lord could come back. Our blessed hope. They don't expect that. They're not thinking about that. It's eternal life insurance that we're trying to offer people. The toughest thing for some, a, a life insurance salesman, you know what he has to do? He has to knock on people's doors or he has to cold call or he has to send them a letter or he has to send an advertisement out and he has to get them to sit down and think about and consider and talk about something that they don't want to talk about and they don't want to think about. And you know what that is? Death. I don't want to sit down and have to think about, well, what if I die? What happens to my wife? What if I die? What happens to my kids? Man, I parked on that for a second. I'm already afraid. That's how you sell life insurance. You scare the person. <laughs> I'm not saying it's bad. I'm just saying that, you know, you got to get them a little so afraid, you know, you know, <laughs> you show them pictures of, you know, a poor, a poor, you know, lady that lost her husband. And now she's out on the streets and, you know, pushing Walmart shopping carts around town and, you know, her kids don't have shoes. And all of a sudden people get to wake up to the fact, yeah, I guess I do need it. <laughs> now, I'm not expecting this comparison to be anywhere near the importance of having our souls saved and redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. I don't think any of us can come up with a, an analogy or a, or a comparison or a story that can quite fit it. But this is what we are asking people to do. I want you to consider death. I want you to consider life after death. I want you to consider not where, what, what's your, where your body's going to go. I want you to consider where your soul is going to go. And they don't, unless a Christian witness compels them to think about it. You know what I heard somebody say? This is your... You're, you're, this is basically the extent of your life. Have you ever gone to sleep? Yeah, every night. And you know what people tell you? That's all that happens when you die. You're just in a peaceful sleep. Now, doesn't that sound nice? Sure. Doesn't that sound... Like it'll kind of quench you and quill you, you know, any concern that you might have. But is it true? It's the farthest thing from the truth. Because after you die, you're going to face God and be judged. And if you don't have Jesus Christ as your advocate, as your witness, God's going to drop you into hell and he's going to be righteous and just and glorified in doing it. But that's not what he wants to do. So he has allowed us to play a part in his plan of salvation. We must bring it to a lost and dying world. We should live with the expectation, looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Now, returning back as we start to close out, but that day and hour knoweth no man. Now, this isn't for the church. We already talked about that. No, not the angels of heaven, but my Father only. This is interesting, and nobody can work out every single minute detail of the Bible, but let me say a few things as we close. We do know 
after the church is called out, we're called up. We do know there's going to be seven years. We do know from the midpoint, we get, we've got 42 days we can count. Revelation 11. Also, we have 1,260 days we see mentioned. We can count that from the midpoint. Daniel 12, we have a time, times and a half. We have that. We have mile markers. And it seems you would be able to pinpoint the exact timing. But I believe the exact specifics are limited to the Father. I want to look at one last verse and tell you that, well, what I said earlier, none of us have every single little minute thing worked out in the Bible. But let me show you Mark 13. And then we will close. Look at Mark chapter 13, verse number 31. Very fitting. Heaven and earth shall not pass away, but my words, I'm sorry, heaven and earth shall pass away. I, I almost turned into a, a, a global war. I almost turned into a tree hugger reading that verse. <laughs> sorry, Al Gore. <laughs> heaven, heaven and earth shall pass away, but my words shall not pass away. Verse 32. But of that day and that hour knoweth no man. No, not the angels which are in heaven, neither the Son, but the Father. This whole idea of even our, our last days that we're in now, but even in Israel's last days, when we get in, when we're not going to get into it, but when we're, we're getting into it, talking about it now, we're not going to be there for it. But when that all happens and comes to pass, the father knows none of this life. is None of this stuff is the proverbial hamster on a wheel just spinning around. We've got purpose. We've got direction. And the father knows. And it seems to me. That verse 32 in Mark chapter 13. Neither the son. There's some stuff where. Jesus Christ chooses to limit his knowledge concerning this. That's about all I can get out of this verse, which are in heaven, neither the Son, but the Father. Jesus is 100% God, and he's so powerful, and he has so much knowledge that it seems like he's able to limit even his own knowledge. <laughs> it seems like the specifics are there for the father, how it all works. What for me to say anything else beyond that? I don't know what to say, <laughs> but it, the father knows. And if the father knows we're going to be all right, we don't have to worry about this earth. Be a good steward. God gave us this earth to live on. But don't try to live your life trying to save something that God said is going to pass away. Instead, invest your time into something that he said will not pass away. And that's his words. Would you rather spend your life studying the word of God than studying 
all the stuff concerning what's happening down here on earth. I want to be aware, but I want to put my time into studying God's word. It's something I can trust, and it's something that will not pass away. Thank you for listening to the podcast ministry of Pilgrim Baptist Church. We look forward to seeing you in the next episode. In the meantime, you can sign up for our email newsletter at www.pilgrimbaptist.church.